This free programming is paid for by the listener sponsors of KPFK. During our fund drive, you can pledge online by clicking the links on the front of kpfk.org. Thank you for supporting Free Speech Radio. Okay, welcome to Bike Talk. This is Saturday, and we have a full studio today. We got the host, Steve Bowers. We got Jim C. We got Eric McCann on the sound engineer. And we got a whole crew in here. We got the Greensters, which is Stephen and Nancy Box, Ron Durgan, and Jeremy. Good morning, everyone. And courage, DeLeon. And as much as I'm part of um, the film industry and I'm union and I love the film industry and I want the film industry to come to Hollywood and come to Los Angeles, they need to be sustainable and respectful to the neighborhood, which they usually are not. So we decided we want to make friends with the neighborhood. We want to make friends with the community. We don't want to take their parking spots. How do we make it sustainable and still get cast crew and the equipment um, to the locations, which was also a neighborhood location. And um, so we came up with, instead of Teamsters, we're going to have Greensters, who are completely sustainable people who will deliver our equipment, uh, do the shopping on, in local farmer's market for the food that we provide for the cast and crew. Right. And that's how the Greensters were born. The, how many Greensters did you guys have on this project? I think we had a total of 15, not all at the same time, but um, Stephen would probably know it best what the count was, but a total of 15. We had people come, drop, uh, pick up and drop off Friday and then Monday the, all the, the equipment from Castex Rental in Hollywood, and then throughout the shoot on Saturday and Sunday we had um, various Greensters come in and pick up food, ice, um, whatever we needed so, uh, uh, throughout the days. NC, this is Courage. Hi. Hi. Um, Hi. What? This is really revolutionary for the production industry because there's, I mean, having produced like two TV shows and a film, like I can tell you, like the amount of waste is astronomical. I mean, the amount of waste in a general corporation is astronomical, but in the production industry, it's, it's ridiculous. And this sounds like a completely revolutionary idea, not only for revolutionizing like the sustainability aspect, but also from a financial point. Can you guys kind of talk about that? Cause those are the brass tacks that producers are always interested in. What kind What's the difference? What kind of money did you save? How did this affect you from the bottom to the top? Um, Stephen Box. Steve, Stephen Box, could you introduce yourself here? Stephen Box. Uh, you know, uh, the financial element in, in, in f- um, the film industry, time is money. And that's there are some obstacles that are perceived as being valid that our objective was to invalidate. And we demonstrated, for example, that when it comes to time, we're just as quick. It's just that we get there using a different mechanism for moving. 
But when we did production runs during the course of the shoot, and during the course of the shoot, there's always something that happens, and someone always has to go, on the fly, right now, let's go. And then, of course, the car gets towed, ticketed, they can't find parking, they disappear, we've lost contact, send someone else. So half the film industry at any given moment is sending people running back and forth all over town. But we made a sustainability commitment in the beginning to shop local. So our production partners were all local. They weren't over the hill. They weren't great distances. And that's something that the industry doesn't do. It's all spread out. So you see, we had made a commitment to one, shop local. Two, we had folks during the shoot that could simply just jump on a bike and, and, and make a run and then come back. And we never skipped a beat. So, Three so with this reg- type of production really <clears throat> counts tremendously as any good production should mm-hmm. on tremendous amount of pre-production prep. It's absolutely effective. And because it's effective, it's, um, it's financially viable. Um, the other thing is that um, you know we moved the gear as quickly, and in fact quicker, when we got to the Grip and Electric house, we swarmed it, and we were out of there. Meanwhile, you've got one guy with a cube truck staring you know, at the guy in front of him with a cube truck, trying to ratchet down his gear. So you've got this whole mosey system set in place where people mosey around town, loading up a cube truck with gear they don't even need. So part of our sustainability commitment was, what do you actually need? In other words, let's trim down because the uh, the conspicuous consumption, if you will, of the typical production. I'll take two of everything in case one breaks, three if I can get it. And then we just move all of this gear around in circles just in case you need it as opposed to getting smart. So part of the sustainability commitment is to actually think about it ahead of time. And so we had a lot of production meetings. They were in viable environments pe- where, where people could walk. Uh, take the metro, ride a bike. So we're even saving money there because we're reducing that transportation cost. So the part of your prep was actually meeting the local businesses and forming alliances and relationships. Can you guys talk about how, like, how that transformed your experience of doing this? Well, uh, sure. You know, the East Hollywood Neighbor Council endorsed this uh, particular production and endorsed the concept of sustainable filmmaking. So within the community of East Hollywood... Uh, it's the first community when the city of Los Angeles has actually established themselves as being receptive to filmmaking, but just do it sustainably. And really that just translates into do it smart. Forge good relationships. Leave things better than you found them. Don't have any impact uh, on the negative impact on the community. And look local to source uh, for gear, uh, for the cast, for the crew, for the supplies that you need. For st- things simple as ice, water, and food. You know, for the crew. Um, so, in other words, have a positive impact on the economy. Because keep in mind, as much as we talk about uh, the film industry being a local industry, the two payroll companies of choice are in Santa Monica and Burbank. Not yet part of L.A. unless we've invaded over the last couple of days. So, you see, we source outside of L.A. We pay people outside of L.A. They may be working on the streets of L.A., but on the whole, we've allowed the industry to dissipate. And sustainability is uh, the, one of the essences is to uh, bring it home and to treat your local community with some respect, the respect that it deserves. And um, to add to that, uh, my lead actress um, and the other lead actor came um, with Metro Redline. So to me, that was very revolutionary because having lead actors come onto the set via public transportation is probably unheard of in L.A. If you're a background actor, maybe. If you're doing a bit part, maybe, but not as a lead actor. So um, big kudos to Kiva Jump, my lead actress, and to Aaron Lyons, my actor. So was this all filmed in East Hollywood? 
Correct, yes. Yeah. Okay. The casting was done in East Hollywood. The filming was done in East Hollywood. The screening will be next week in East Hollywood. So everything is local. Um, the, the, the screening will be at the Barnstall um, Arts Gallery Theater on the 30th of September at 7 p.m. So anybody is welcome. You can arrive by Metro Red Line, um, bicycle. You can walk. And if you, if you drive, carpool, please. So last thing I wanted to mention here, talk about the, the Greensters. Uh, how did you guys move everything? How were you guys moving stuff? Um, Jeremy. Well, this is JeremyGrant.com. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's me. And uh, I got Ron sitting next to me, and uh, we have uh, exercises. So um, we just saw the bulletin Stephen put out, and um, we brought our bikes, and um, some other people had some bikes and um, uh, trailers, backpacks, um, basically anything with two wheels that could carry something. We even had a bamboo trailer. It looked like it was from, uh, right. from like the tropics or Gilligan's Island. And then, uh, it worked okay. So, um, that's how we went about, uh, transporting things. Even people on the back of our, uh, exercycles, we, uh, filmed part of a documentary that way. How long, over how long a period did you guys film this? And, and were you guys moving things back and forth? The shoot was um, started on a Friday, and that's when we started hauling in the gear and setting everything up. And then shoot was Saturday and Sunday, and the drop-off was at, uh, at um, on Monday. So it was a four-day shoot, basically. And this is Ron again. And, and then, as Stephen mentioned earlier, then during during those days, we we had the full crew to go pick up gear, bring it to the location, and then we just scheduled out uh, over the the three days, you know, having at least two Greensters on hand to make runs. So there was a, usually two or three, some of them just, and it was all volunteers. It wasn't, uh, you know, it was just an effort to support the movie and prove did, that we could do it, really. Did uh, did using bicycles to transport equipment have any effect on, like, insurance costs for the equipment, or was there any difference there? There was no difference in the insurance, perhaps because we didn't tell them. <laughs> um, but when we showed up at the Griffin Electric House... When we first showed up, and there's a couple of trucks in front of us, and there were other trucks that pulled up behind of this, and you could, you could see them snickering, you know, the two large uh, drivers snickering about all of these cyclists. Yeah. And the guys came out of the warehouse at the Gripen Electric House and just kind of had this look of, and one was actually a little upset, yeah. one of the supervisors, and he went back to the owner, and I had a conversation in advance with them because they knew I had to get their permission because there's a documentary being shot. So uh, Ron the Sherpa had a documentarian strapped to his extra cycle um, facing backwards filming the entire uh, production. And so I had to have permission there. So the owner did know we'd be coming on bikes. And um, so when we arrived, there was concern from some of them. Like they just couldn't grasp this. But when we dropped off on Monday... They celebrated it. And they were all taking photos. They all came out with cameras um, toward the end of uh, the first day when we did the pickups. They were all, all of a sudden they got in the spirit of it because they saw how quickly we moved. So there again, shock and awe. And pre-production, you actually called the owner and got permission and laid the foundation and created the alliance. Kudos. So maybe it's time for us to talk a little bit about the project itself that you guys were working on. Uh, NC, would you care to, to introduce this? The film is called At What Price? It's a story about a family that goes through some hardship and the mother has to 
decide to leave her daughters behind um, with her mother and she has to just leave and escape to find a better life for them in the future. So it's a drama, it's a short film, it's under 14 minutes long. And um, the website for the production company is um, rebelwithoutacarproductions.com. Okay. Uh, rebelwithoutacarproductions.com. And you mentioned some of the actors came by, came by Metro. Uh, everything was done by Greensters. Um, and it was, a documentary was being shot at the same time. Is that correct? That's correct. We started the documentary shoot um, when the production started in June with uh, pre-productions, casting, meetings with the producers, and all the meetings were Redline accessible, um, and nobody brought to the production any cars because we were either in North Hollywood, in Hollywood, or at Uni Union Station where everybody could walk or ride their bikes to or take the metro to. So when is that documentary going to come out? Well, on September 30th, when we have the screening, we will have a short 10-minute um, excerpt of the documentary. A teaser. A little teaser, teaser about the documentary. So there is a teaser. Again, 10 minutes. sex and bikes. <laughs> That's right. There is a 10-minute te teaser of um, uh, sustainable production filming and then the 15-minute, 14-minute um, short film. And um, by the way, also, it's um, the short film and the documentary documentary will be closed captioned so it is we're opening up our, our audience for the deaf and the hard hearing people so one more time can you tell us where we can catch this uh this filming and what time the teaser and will be the teaser in the f short film will be next week on september 30th at 7 p.m at the barnsdale art gallery theater that's up in all olive hill on the corner of hollywood boulevard and vermont and um, the screening is at 7 p.m. The website is um, rebelwithoutacarproductions.com. You can find us on Facebook as well, um, Rebel Without a Car Productions, and also the L.A. Greensters you can find on fan Facebook fan page. From a Greensters perspective, Ron, Jeremy, would you care to tell me what you thought about the, the, uh, the experience? <laughs> I, you know, this is Ron again. I, I thought it was great. It's, um, it's always fun to show, you know, demonstrate that you can do so much with your bike and if you put your mind to it you know when you have an extra cycle i've had mine for over three years now so i've been hauling hauling stuff all the time and, and you always get a lot of interesting looks but when you're as a group i think it has a little more power and you know just when you see kids for example and they stay, they're on the street and they you, you can almost see it churning in their mind like what could they do with a bike like that you know and and how could that change their life and so that's, that's, you know, my perspective from behind the bars a little bit when I'm hauling gear. Yeah, it, you get all of us together at once, and we equal the size of a semi, and we're carrying the the equipment a semi would have inside. And, and um, I mean, we take up the space of a car, so obviously we turn heads, and we have funny-looking bikes, and um, we're all wearing funny-looking clothes. And um, it's just fun. I mean, it's a fun experience. I, I I had I was the water boy for um, for one day, one afternoon, and going up and back the hill all day getting water. You you start to realize like what the the human impact of the the movie is on on the environment. You know when you see that water going down and you have to like you know put some um, pain into your legs to get that water instead of just jumping into a car and you know driving your couch to the liquor store and and we also when you say water we weren't going getting individual plastic bottles we had five gallon carboys that we were filling up and then people would use their own mug to 
to get water. So we weren't, you know, trying to create waste. And one of our other greensters we had that isn't here um, it was also in charge of uh, compost and recycling and keeping, you know, as a garbologist, if you will, keeping track of <laughs> the waste and, and making sure things were getting put in the right place so that we could deal with it on the set. But we were um, gaining a lot of different perspectives from um, all different parts of life and culture and professions. I mean, um, everybody had some input to to this production and to the Greensters. And so instead of us just remaining this single-celled organism of a film crew that, you know, doesn't want anyone in or out and you want to keep control of that, it was, like, organic and open. So we were able to grow more and learn more and do more. Um, by opening up the community to everyone, and um, I mean, yeah. that that was the greatest part of it, I think. And I think, as Stephen said, you know, many hands make light work. So, you know, I right. think the challenge that I realized when we got to the grip house was you look at this this big truck that they're using, and I guess that was what I was thinking. Like, our next step is, you know, how can we like haul that much gear, and how many people would it take, and how many more cargo bikes do we need? So. I think, you know, if anybody's got a cargo bike out there and they're interested in getting involved with what we do, you can check out, you know, our, the website. At, I think we're on Rebel Without a Car Productions, lagreensters.com. Uh, you know, it's come join Jeremy us. JeremyGrant.com. Yep. Bike More LA. Bike More LA is Ron's site. Yep. All right. Um, I, I do have one more question. Can you guys talk for just a second about how using volunteers helped with this effort? Can you give, like, a little bit of shout-out to your volunteers? I mean, that's just talk about that ethic be, co- be, being part of this production. Um, it couldn't have happened without the enthusiastic support of a robust and diverse community. And that's the essence of sustainability, is to diversify and create community. I, I can't think of any better way to put it. And it was interesting, and the person that brought this to us was one of the Greensters, who's a marine biologist that uses this perspective from nature of the species that survive celebrate diversity. Um, they encourage um, cross-pollination, if you will. And so we challenged ourselves, because in East Hollywood, 100 languages are spoken. We challenged ourselves to invigorate and involve everybody we could think of. And it turned out to be something beyond our wildest ex- expectations because the people that volunteered and got a piece of the project ended up bringing something we didn't think to ask for. So we even added a language that we didn't know was such a robust language, American Sign Language. So with a deaf producer and a deaf DP and a translator on set, we added the third most popular language in the United States, fourth in the world, sign language. So we've even opened up our audience because someone pointed out, volunteered to participate and brought with them something that opened our eyes to how can we uh, encourage uh, the enhancement of our community. So we left with a stronger production community in East Hollywood, and out of it, a few people have now positioned their projects So the Greensters have been um, uh, edified, if you will. We've been built up. In other words, they've offered us the opportunity to participate in another project. So a writer, a director, uh, a producer, others have stepped forward and said, let's keep this community going on the next project. That's the leave behind or the residual impact of community that's stronger and and bigger than the project itself. That's awesome. It's the, the establishment of a community. That is fantastic. So if volunteers want, again, to 
become part of this and experience this and help create the sustainable film industry in Los Angeles, where do they go? Who do they talk to? Wednesday night. Come to the screening at 7 p.m. And you'll see all of the volunteers that were involved in this project. And you'll also meet the... Op- the uh, it's uh, rebelwithoutacarproductions.com. But you'll also be able to meet those that... Uh, have other projects uh, crewing up now because ultimately the object is to go to work and to put our skills to work uh, and to earn a good living and so keep in mind that that's the objective whenever volunteers uh, pitch in it's to um, invest their time and energy in something that pays off in the long run so that's the that's the objective for all of us and so uh, love to see you Wednesday um, and, and they can also, if they cannot make it on Wednesday they can email info at rebelwithoutacarproductions.com or Rebel Without a Car Productions at gmail.com. <laughs> so um, we hope to see the volunteers, and we definitely, like Steven said, we do hope that all these volunteers will be paid one day. We just submitted the film to Sundance, Slamdance, as well as to Cannes, and more film festivals are coming, are on the list. So um, hopefully we will get the money rolling soon to get everybody rewarded for their time and effort. We also have uh, LAGreensters.com, and you can email us there and check out our current events. Well, best of luck to you with that. Rebel Without a Car Productions. Uh, and the name of the film, one last time here. At what price? Uh, hope to see everybody there Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Barnstall Park. there at the corner of uh, Hollywood and Vermont. Um, now I think we're going to introduce someone here. And speak a little bit about the Crenshaw Crush. Would you pre- please introduce yourself? I'm still Aubrey Provost. <laughs> oh, man. Didn't change yet. No. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I represent um, Crenshaw Crush. Right. Uh, which has really founded by uh, Stephen Box on a ride we did in July where Stephen asked myself and my wife, where do we live? And I said, in the Crenshaw District, and Stephen said, where's that? So here we are at the <laughs> Crenshaw Crush. <laughs> and, and so I'm going to, Sunday morning, we're going to show Stephen the Crenshaw Crush. The, the Crenshaw District uh, here in Los Angeles. And, and what kind of, how are you guys planning on opening up Stephen to, to Crenshaw? How are we going to uh, open up Stephen's mind at Crenshaw? Well, we're going to stick him on two wheels and push him down Crenshaw Boulevard. And uh, we're just going to we're going to have this ride tomorrow on Sunday, and we're all going to meet at the Lamert Park, uh, the Lamert Village Park um, Fountain, and it's right there on Crenshaw and Vernon. And um, we're going to take him to all the best places to eat, the best places to dance, the best places to sing, have a picnic, buy books, buy culture, clothes, um, have, uh, we, we might even see some fire department, um, giving away some, um, icy cool treats, uh, maybe some barbecue chicken, some soul food, uh, we have a lot of stuff going on. So, you're doing two wheels to introduce Stephen to, to Crenshaw. Is everyone invited on this? Everybody that has a bike. Um, you could probably even find a place uh, to rent a bike and come. I talked to a guy. He's out here from um, Indiana or oh, from Illinois. He's out here just for a couple more days. He, he's going to rent a bike and, and bring it out to Crenshaw. So everybody's welcome. Um, families. I'm here with my kids. What, what, are, 
what do I do with my kids while I go on this ride? Well, uh, you could get a trailer and pull them along <laughs> if they're like seven or, or uh, younger. Um, but um, we probably want some, you know, older kids, um, like elementary school age. It's going to be about 20, um, about 20 miles for the family ride. Um, so that's kind of long for someone that's like five foot and their leg is only 18 inches. So, um, so JeremyGrant.com. Right. Will Will you have information linking linking us to the Crunchyroll? Yeah, crush? we have um, that, and we have a Facebook page. If you um, just search on Google Crenshaw Crush or Facebook Crenshaw Crush, you'll come up with the ride, and it's on Sunday, September twenty seventh. And we meet up at uh, about eight o'clock in the morning. We'll have from eight to nine. We'll have a bike checkup. We'll check your tires, check your brakes. You know, we'll, we'll check out if there's anything wrong with your bike that we can fix really quick to get you on the ride we'll help you out um you know otherwise uh, maybe bring another bike or you know work on it but at nine o'clock we're all going to leave and um we're going to make our way down to some historical sites some beautiful sites uh, the lamert homes area is very nice um, some very nice older homes um historical birthplaces um is it it's tom bradley tom bradley was born there um, or has lived lived there. This is his last house uh, before he died. So it's a historical landmark. Um, we have like Transfiguration Church. We have Father Martini from there. He's going to be um, blessing the bikes and the riders, which is really cool. Um, we're also going to, you know, visit some of the not so great stories, but make South LA famous is like the Baldwin Hills dams collapse. Um, we're going to uh, take right. some of the hardcore riders up there and um, and ride. It's about 300 foot over half a mile, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Provost. Aubrey. Aubrey. What are, are, are any of these places going to be your, your favorite haunts? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I live at the foot of uh, the, the Baldwin Hills Dam slash reservoir, which bursts in December of 63 and took a few people with it and it flooded the village green area which we have permission to do a walk through um, signing a sheet because they don't have bike paths inside but it is kind of a paradise in the middle of the city and should be viewed by a lot of people um, that don't know about the village green site which was dedicated in 86 by Mark Ridley Thomas as a historical landmark never to be changed. Now, the, the Village Green site, is that something that people can visit all the time, or is that a It's a, a residential site, 63 acres, uh-huh. uh, in the center of an urban area. Um, so, Aubrey, were you, were you living there in 63 when, when the no, dam collapsed? No, I couldn't. Yeah. When some uh, real estate things changed... We were able to buy in the area, and so we lived just south of it, and we could see from our apartment at that time in 63, we could see the bursting of the dam and the water coming down uh, just in front of our apartment. And yeah. then we looked up and said, we want to move up there, and ultimately we did. Um, so uh, it has, it's a big part of my life. And the other end of that, uh, Jeremy uh didn't mention along with the other sites is the Florence and Normandy right. site, which was the largest uh, insurrection in Los Angeles. Now, uh, 
Now, what happened there at Florence and Normandy? That was when the judgment came down that the policeman that uh, beat up uh, Rodney King got liberated. Right. So, were you living there at that point? Oh, yeah. And that, that yeah, was, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm native of Los Angeles. So... But anyway, that's just one of our sites, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to travel north and go up by the SC and the New Science Center and um, hang there and do a little bit of water uh, breaks. And there's a Mickey D there for those who get faint along the way. Right. And uh, then we'll travel on west to uh, Maryland's fast food takeout. Uh, Aubrey, I think when, when we did the scoping ride, one of the interesting things about that, that SC stop was we're stopping by the Rose Garden and... Um, you were telling us a story about when Al Davis brought the Raiders here and what they what he, the Raiders wanted to do at that Rose Garden. Can you a parking lot? Um, yeah, they were going to tear the Rose Garden out and make a parking lot, which uh, never happened. And I think Al came to his senses, and because he's a real sweet guy, and uh, contrary to what a lot of people say, but I think uh, <laughs> uh, I've done a lot of business with him. I know. Uh, anyway, um, the Rose Garden was a site, but before that, it was a, uh, a, a site where women would meet their political gentlemen, friends, and it was kind of a kind of, brothel. Yes, yeah, yeah. Area. Yeah. Okay. But it, uh, the red light district of the Rose Garden. Yeah. All right. So, well, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... So definitely going to see some action. It sounds like on this on this ride. So it'll be fun. We when we were doing the scoping, uh, we ended up at uh, we made another little stop at Jim Gillian Park Recreational Center, and uh, a, a little girl asked uh, Jeremy, uh, "What are you guys doing?" And, and and Jeremy said, "Of course, we're riding our bikes." And she said, "Can I ride? Can I come along?" And she said, "She said I don't have a bike." But I have a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. It's, it's good to hear. This is going to be the Crenshaw Crush. Meets at 8 o'clock a.m. at Lamert Park. Uh, they're, from 8 to 9, there's going to be registration and a bike checkup. So if you, if you need some work on your bike, come on down. They can take a look at it and see if it's something that they can get done before the, before the ride. Uh, there's going to be a family ride. And there's also going to be a little bit more strenuous ride up to the top of the Baldwin Baldwin Dam collapse. So, Stephen? Ensign and I are going to be meeting at Hollywood and Western at 7 o'clock to ride down. So, for our friends in Hollywood, 7 o'clock, Hollywood and Western, and then we're going to ride down together. And when we get there, we're going to have two choices. And the two choices are, there's going to be two, two leaders then, two ride leaders. Tough choice. And what are the choices? Well, you can do the the kind of easy paced family ride which will be the you know the 22 miles or you can do the uh the more strenuous hills and fast paced poker ride so uh i'll be leading ron i'm ron and i'll be leading the uh the, the family ride and jeremy's going to take the poker riders so what is what is the poker ride what so let me explain this poker ride uh a lot of people do it with bikes or or uh, motorcycles but um we're I mean, uh, motorcycles or cars, but we're going to do it on our bikes. Uh, there's going to be checkpoints, um, you know, up at the top of the hills um, to give away poker cards. And then at the end, there's probably like five to seven checkpoints. So you get five to seven poker cards, 
at the end we'll have a, a, a play and see who has the highest hand, the best hand, and who has the lowest hand or the worst hand, and we'll give them. Uh, we'll have some giveaways. So, so I've heard this referred to as the damn poker ride. The damn poker ride. Now, now the damn poker ride. Now that's going to be, uh, that's going to be the one that goes to the top of the Baldwin Hills Dam. Yeah, right? it's going to yeah. be an obvious split between uh, the family ride. We're going to go up over the Crenshaw um, Boulevard Hill too, and um, hit some of these cool roundabouts um, that people probably don't, haven't seen or or um, ridden. Um, pretty cool. Awesome. Well, it's exciting. May the best hand win. <laughs> and uh, and we look forward to seeing you at the Crenshaw Cross. So uh, come on out. Hollywood and Western, 7 a.m. Hollywood and Western at 7 a.m. And then and uh, Stephen and Nancy are going to ride down and join Ron Jeremy at... Uh, at Crenshaw at and Vernon and Lamert Park Village. Yep. And uh, we look forward to you. Thank, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, any other stories that you, you care to impart? Um, well, I think we should hang out a little bit afterwards uh, <laughs> in the in the Lamert Village because there's a lot of eclectic uh, activity going there. And I have uh, I got to get a hook for him. My brother-in-law is going to probably speak before someone else, telling us a little history of Lamert Park and the fact that I think Lamert Park is the difference between Lamert Park and Larchmont Village. Lamert Village and Larch- Larchmont Village is about three miles. Right, that's that's interesting. I, and, you know, I've I've been introduced to this area as a result of this ride myself, and so I, it's been great to see you know the couple times we've been down there to see the enthusiasm from the from the business owners down there and the, their embracement of this whole thing. Like they think it's great that you know cyclists would come down and have this organized ride that's you know begins and ends where you know in, in Lamert Park. So. I think that's a great, uh, great thing we're doing there. Plus, from the Greensters' perspective, you know, we're going to provide the ride leadership and hopefully have enough experienced riders throughout the pack so that, you know, if there are kids along, uh, we're going to try to keep them safe. And we've chosen some, you know, side streets to navigate instead of the major boulevards so it'll be safer. So can, can we just talk for one second about, because we did discuss it briefly, but discussing the... Um economic impact that cyclists bring to an area um, because often we're looked at as if we show up in packs we're looked at as a nuisance rather than a benefit or um, an economic stimulus if you will which is in actuality what we become well i mean i can give you an example from parking day la for instance uh, our first stop uh, was in culver city and we pulled up to to our space and we had one space that we used for parking all of our bikes and then the other space we turned into a park and the owner of the business saw us as an impotence to her business she thought you know because we weren't in a car we weren't going to buy anything or we, we were taking up space from potential customers she didn't look at us as potential customers and there was about i don't know seven or eight of us and we would have easily you know we were hungry and she had a restaurant. So instead of inviting us, she alienated us, and we went next door to uh, the coffee shop, and, and the owner of the coffee shop even came out and visited our park briefly. And so I think they ultimately benefited from an economic perspective on that particular transaction. Uh, and then our next stop was in Little Ethiopia, and since we didn't have anything to eat at our first stop, we ate in Little Ethiopia. And the owner of that business 
again came out to our park was you know we'd go and order our food and then bring it out and and she saw us as just regular people so uh this perception that you have to drive a car otherwise you, you don't have any money or you're not going to be a customer uh, to me is unfounded you know you've opened up an interesting topic here the impact of um bigger faster wider streets and the need for automobile parking versus a community with a robust and diverse community with lots of cyclists who can stop whenever they want to spend money and spend that money. And so uh, Jeremy has some interesting statistics with regard to the, the cost of parking and what it does to a community, to the economics of the community. But the, the brutal reality is that pedestrians and cyclists stimulate the economy of a local community and um, bring it back to a, a local-based economy. But Jeremy had some uh, interesting uh, perspectives here. Uh, yeah, we can uh, park wherever we want, basically, if there's a tree. Hopefully there's a tree. Uh, we can lock up to it. As far as parking, yeah, it, it costs per month for one parking space uh, you know, on the street $117 in, in ecological disaster. Like, if you could... If you could calculate how much it costs the environment, that's how much it costs, $117 a month. And, I mean, that's a lot when you add it up over all the parking spaces. Uh, you know, if there's seven parking spaces for every one car in L.A., I mean, add all that up, it's just like a huge disaster. You know, why are we doing this? And uh, with the bike or, you know, walking along, we, we have the choice to stop whenever we want if we see, see something that fancies us. Um, I thought one great part of the little Ethiopia restaurant is that, you know, we have this stand on on the environment about conserving it, and we were able to get the manager to bring the plates out to us instead of using styrofoam or boxing it up to go like usual. She treated us like we were eating inside her establishment, yet we were. That's because you know, Ethiopian using food is awesome and amazing. So good, and yeah. Ethiopian people are awesome and amazing, and they treat you like family, and the whole act of sitting down to a meal in Ethiopian culture is to share and open and bring up community but I think it's a perfect metaphor like that they were instantly welcoming but they didn't feel like they needed to use styrofoam and they didn't feel like they needed to treat you any any differently. Right, we were much different. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> My favorite. Jeremy, to get back to the cost of parking, what now, what do you mean? Seven, seven spaces per car per month and uh and the ecological impact that that has. Well, it's just that our our society, um, you know, since the dawn of the car, it's it's been destroying um, the pedestrian and and I mean their advocacy is to eliminate bikes and pedestrians and and put into our hands cars, and so cars is kind of like the epitome of our of our existence right now. I mean, value our cultural value, our status quo is the car. L. A. I mean, it's the the land of cars they ruin the 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 red car systems you know to make way for cars they make, you know they make all these choices and so now we have to deal with this car and and how to use it and it's parking is the biggest deal you, everybody wants to circle around the block three times to find the best parking space i mean if you add all that up it's like going around the the earth like how many times it's this yeah if you just read donald shoop and you know, find okay. all about it Okay, the cost yeah. of free parking. The, the high cost, the, the of, high free cost of free parking. Let's. Uh, I'd, I'd like to introduce. We 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 actually spoke with Ron Milam uh, about three weeks ago. Here, Ron Milam is one of the founders of the Los Angeles County Bicycle Co- Coalition. And is working on several different projects right now. 
one of oh Joe Linton actually is who we were talking to, and he was talking about uh, Donald Shoop and the high cost of free parking. Uh, can Stephen or or Ron could either of you guys okay. talk a little bit about this? Donald Shoop's a great guy, uh, very interesting character. They call him the rock star of parking. Anyone that can write seven hundred page book, bestseller on parking, uh, is the master. And he rode around Westwood on bicycles. He found that when he followed people in a car, the people, it changed their behavior. He found that when he put all of his grad students on bicycles in Westwood, they could follow the motorists as the motorists circled the block, and the motorists never noticed that there was a guy following them, timing them to see how long they would drive in a circle looking for that non-existent parking space. The funny thing about non-existing parking spaces is there's no such thing. There's seven parking spaces in L.A. County for every car. It's just never where you want it when you want it because we don't work well together. There are parking spaces all over, typically locked up. At the first location we went to, where the woman ran outside, the interesting thing that was right next to her building was an empty parking lot that was chained up. Don't use my parking space. You'll use it all up. You'll wear it out. It's empty space. Yeah. It's just not managed well. But what Donald Shoup demonstrated was 25% of our congestion is due to people circling the block looking for a cheaper or better parking space because they're convinced there's a better positioned one at a, a more affordable price. So rather than actually putting a real value on real estate, we end up thinking that free parking is a birthright. It's for the storage of stuff. A car spends most of its life waiting for you to come out and start it up and drive approximately two miles to run a silly little errand that you could have walked to. You'll spend more time looking for the parking space than it would have taken to walk that two miles or less. So people find that Donald Shoup, you know, is an economist by trade. He counts things, he measures things, and he places a value on things. And it's absolutely brilliant. And so Jeremy had the, uh, this is the best part, in our parking space we had the speaker's platform, just like in Hyde Park where people can get up on the soapbox and start talking. So in our parking space in Culver City, in Little Ethiopia, on Santa Monica Boulevard, so we had the, Jeremy had the speaker's platform going, and um, Reverend Jeremy actually showed up there uh, and was extolling on the high cost of free parking. And the, and the thing is, it's, we have, we're in powerful positions with powerful choices. And the simple choices are, would you like to spend $500 billion on parking spaces? How about some health care? In other words, our value system is so tweaked because we place uh, things like engaging in war and providing parking in positions of preference over things that would improve the quality of life for everybody and dramatically improve our community. It's the the $500 billion conspiracy where where everything costs $500 billion, like the war in Iraq costs $500 billion, and then all the parking spaces in the United States for one year we spend $500 billion. And for all the oil imports in the United States, that's $500 billion. Um, for all the employee-provided health care in the United States for one year, it's $500 billion. TARP was $500 billion to the banks. and um, TARP is the bailout. For the banks. And yeah, then there's okay. the, bailout, the $500 billion bailout for Wall Street um, you know, that Obama, well, Obama continued after Bush. All those things, it costs $500 billion. And, you, you know, you just wonder, like, do we need all this stuff? It's like going to Kmart and throwing everything in your in your uh, cart and then going to the front and not caring what's in there. 
I mean, what's what's important? Okay. I, I wanted to talk for a second about what Stephen was talking about. Um, it, it's, it's a simple sort of ratio of, of space and time. When you drive a car, you pass by things. You pass by people. It's a disconnect. You disconnect from your environment. When you actually walk or you ride a bike, your radius is smaller. Everything's more immediate. Everything's part of your community. When you walk, you stop and talk to your neighbors, hopefully, unless you live in a totally janky neighborhood. But anyway, you know, you, you actually create community when you do these things that actually are sustainable. You create alliances, you create friendships, you stop and spend things, you stop and talk to people. You stop your bike and you actually get off and, and talk to people. So you, you're there again creating the community that will be your home, your life. So I just wanted to, to throw that in there. Did you guys sufficiently define Parking Day? Yeah, we mentioned that uh, it started a few years ago in um, San Francisco with Rebar and um, Parking Day. And then uh, we brought it to uh, L.A. this year um, with our ride loading zone. And basically, it's just parking space. We we buy the parking space for the hour or, or whatever it is, and um, we set up a park. And um, we reclaim the, the space from the uh, the city or, you know, whoever. And, and some of the the other side issues are that you know we have one of the largest park in an urban setting in Griffith Park, but it's it's not really accessible. You know, it's difficult to get to it if you're trying to walk to it. I mean, a lot of people can live immediately there, but it's it's really not touchable by the city at large. And and then you've got other uh, densely populated areas like where MacArthur Park is. Yes, there's a park there, but is it big enough to serve the fact that there's the so many the residents there? You know, right. so it's really a lot about uh, access to parks, and and that was part of the demonstration. Or the park in East Hollywood was in front of uh, the the East Hollywood Light Yard, where they they use uh, an area that for storing um, light fixtures that you know for lighting up our streets and. And so that was the vision of uh, David Bell, the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council president, to turn this area into a park. So I'd, so like, to, I'd like to move on in a second and talk about neighborhood councils. Uh, but right now I would like to recap here, just say uh, parking day was September 18th. It is the third Friday of every September. Uh, it's going to happen next year, September 17th. If you're interested in finding out about it, I would suggest maybe just keeping an eye on jeremygrant.com or um, parkingdayla.com. Lagreensters.com. Lagreensters.com. And uh, to recap here, uh, we talked a little bit with, uh, with NC uh, about uh, her new movie coming out, At What Price, at rebelwithoutacarproductions.com. If you're interested, please come by Barnstall Park. Uh, East Hollywood neighborhood was very influential in, in having locations and also helping out with uh, local companies here. Um, and the L.A. Greensters provided the transportation for all of the equipment. Um, and Ron and Jeremy from the L.A. Greensters and also Aubrey Provost uh, here from... City Council District Number Eight. Uh, he's also on LA the BAC, the Bicycle Advisory Committee. Yeah. So uh, Aubrey is has been working with Ron Jeremy to introduce Stephen Box to uh, 
to Crenshaw, and uh, it looks like they're going to be doing the Crenshaw Crush this Sunday. And if you live in the Hollywood neighborhood, there's going to be a ride from Hollywood and Western at 7 in the morning. Uh, they're going to be riding and meeting at Lamert Park at 8 in the morning. Uh, there's going to be registration and a free b- bike check for an hour. And then Aubrey, Ron, and Jeremy are going to help lead rides and do some history on the Crenshaw area, and which includes the Baldwin Hills Dam and what was the neighborhood Village Green, which is a uh, protected protected area and something that everybody should check out. And I just want to give a shout-out to the, the real riders who are down in the Crenshaw District. Uh, I think they've been doing some community outreach down there, trying to get uh, people from that district to participate in the ride uh, as well. So. They they actually they meet pretty much don't don't the real riders have a have a weekly meeting is that right? I, I'm not that familiar with them except that just in talking with them I met them ironically through Ron and Jeremy they were had I see their bikes everywhere and because they're booked these are the chrome bikes that are just beautiful to look at yeah. uh, low riders uh, uh. long extended forks. And they have a youth group that they're starting, and the youth group uh, uh, parameters to join the children's eight, uh, grade level must be at a certain. Their their grade average must grade be a certain level, as, and as in a, order to join they have the to real live riders, at home, and they yeah. have to build their own bikes. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. And also, um, Carlos and the East Side Bicycle Club are going to be riding over, and um, joining the Crenshaw Crush, and so. We're kind of celebrating the diversity of L.A. by bringing people from all over L.A. to the Crenshaw District to uh, enjoy the culture and community of Crenshaw. Red beans and rice. Red beans and rice. Don't miss it. So um, back to neighborhood councils. Let's talk a little bit about neighborhood councils. Uh, I know, Stephen, you've worked with the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council yeah. before. You've actually helped to... Right, the Cyclist Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. which one of the one of the authors, who, and the East Neighborhood Council, East Hollywood Neighborhood Council, was the first neighborhood council to officially authorize mm-hmm. the the Cyclist Bill of Rights. Now, I know that you and NC have been working on this. Uh, would you care to talk a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, I work with neighborhood councils around the city of Los Angeles, and um, so I have friends all over. But I got to tell you that the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council, time after time, has been the first. The first neighborhood council to take some dramatic steps, for example, it was the first neighborhood council to endorse the Cyclist Bill of Rights. It was the first neighborhood council to declare itself a pedestrian-oriented community. It was the first neighborhood council to em- uh, embrace sustainable filmmaking standards. And it was the first neighborhood council to really get behind the Parking Day LA concept. They had two parks this year. They right. had one in, uh, on Heliotrope, the one right. with the swimming pool, the barbecue, and the petting zoo. And they had another one outside the um, on Santa Monica Boulevard outside the light yard. So they demonstrated that Parking Day LA is a great vehicle for many messages. And that's one of the things that uh, we've enjoyed as the Greensters riding across LA as we were taking our message across town. We have the opportunity this coming Saturday as cyclists to take our message, uh, the Cyclist Bill of Rights, that quite simply we have the right to ride safely and free of fear. And that's the starting point for the way we ride on the streets of LA. On Saturday, we're taking it to the neighborhood councils. The neighborhood councils on Saturday the 3rd at 8 o'clock in the morning are meeting at Los Angeles City College. It's the Neighborhood Council Action Summit. Los Angeles City College is located... It is. It's in East Hollywood. All right. (laughs) And it's uh, just north of the 
Bicycle Kitchen. So it's Santa Monica and Vermont is the metro station. That's if it. If you walk south or ride down uh, Vermont, when you get to the main gate, what's that? Right. So it's in between Melrose and um, and uh, Santa, Santa Monica, Monica Boulevard. And right there in the center of the uh, campus is the faculty lounge, and we'll be we'll be right there in the center. NCI are the MCs for the Action Summit, and there are going to be six items presented to the neighborhood councils of the city of Los Angeles for their uh, action, and one of them is the Cyclist Bill of Rights. So there are three sessions that day. So at around 10:30 in the morning on Saturday the third. Dr. Alex Thompson of the West Side will be riding to the Best Side <laughs> to present the Cyclists' Bill of Rights in a pro-con presentation where he will present it, naysayers will have the opportunity to respond, and the neighborhood councils then will have it put to them for their endorsement and then for their action, because to endorse things is one thing, and then what? And so Alex is going to have a couple of challenges for the neighborhood councils on how they can improve the quality of life in their communities for everybody, including cyclists. And so that's we would love to have some support from the cycling community um, on uh, on the third Saturday at ten thirty in the morning, LACC. I, I also want to bring up: it's okay for you to miss the show next Saturday to go down and support this. You can always catch us on podcast through kpfk.org. I actually just wanted to ask you, have you guys organized a ride on, on the Midnight Riders or anything like that? Have you posted this anywhere that's sort of an organizational format for riders to come down and be, like, vociferous? We're meeting at Santa Monica. Yes, uh, Midnight Riders. Uh, you can follow Bike Writers, W-R-I-T-E-R-S, Bike Writers Collective. Um, Is there a ride posted? Yeah. Okay. And um, we'll be meeting at Santa Monica in Vermont and rolling across the street <laughs> to, to LACC. <laughs> so Alex will be bringing a West Side group, a contingent, uh, f- uh, across town. As for the rest of us, we'll just roll across the street. And Anson uh, and I will be there, of course, um, all day. But this is in the midday of the second session. And that's the uh, third. And so we'd love to have some um, cyclists in the room supporting the Cyclist Bill of Rights. 10:30 LACC. Now, Stephen, I know that you are very vocal uh, throughout the community. Um, I know that the LA bike plan has just just been put out for for public consumption. Um, does it include the Cyclist Bill of Rights? Unfortunately, I have not seen it. It's hard to prove a negative because, uh, <laughs> um, well, I've gone through it. I've gone through it, and I've gone through it. But it's it's an illogical position to take to prove a negative. What I can do is say, where is it? And I have yet to have anybody say it's right there. Master plans, by definition, should be visionary documents that start off with a fundamental premise and then support it with policy, with technical um, uh, information, with the mechanisms and strategies for making it come to life. And on that note, the whole world has been waiting for, our whole world has been waiting for the bicycle master plan. And so I'm asking for three things. One, that it include the Cyclist Bill of Rights. The City Council directed that it include the Cyclist Bill of Rights. The Transportation Committee directed that it include the Cyclist Bill of Rights. So it's not just my wishes and the wishes of others. It was actually the City of L.A., which funded this document, directed that it include the Cyclist Bill of Rights. That's number one. Number two, it must have a robust community engagement, not enragement, process. And unfortunately, the period of time for commenting is less 
than what we would consider to be the minimum for anything else, including if the 7-Eleven across the street wants to add an awning and widen their parking lot, they would have a longer period of time for the community to comment on that particular small zoning variation. And yet, on the most significant document for the cycling community with regards to the future development of a, of a connected bikeways community, uh, we, we have less time than will actually work for neighbor council to participate in the process. And number three, there must be teeth to the document or it's a fortune cookie uh, 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 document. In other words, it's just wishes. But if it doesn't contain robust teeth that allow us to hold it up as a document where we can shape the future of transportation in the city of L.A., it's a useless document. That's all I ask. Three things. Okay, I I just got back into town the other day and found in my mailbox a letter from the city saying, you know, hey, we're, we're going to have public public engagement ceremonies on this. Um, <coughs> Aubrey, as with the Bicycle Advisory Committee, do you know anything about what's going on with this plan or what what is happening with the public ceremonies for it? With the Bicycle, with the bicycle Advisory Committee. Yeah. We meet bi-monthly. As a place to go. Yeah. So. I don't. The wife watches Dancing with the Star, and I don't. I go to the Bicycle Advisory Committee meeting instead. Okay. Um, so. So we've got a we've got a master plan that is up for revision and review, and up for some sort of public hearing. Now I know that there are going to be three. Uh, I know Pasadena. Culver City and Santa Monica, I believe, are the destinations for the for the public hearings on the the LA bicycle. There'll be four. Uh, there'll be one in the harbor. There'll be one on the west side. There'll be one down by USC, and there'll be one in the valley. The four meetings. Right. And again, what we have here is um, Councilman Reyes actually went to the city council and had them direct city staff to include his community. And I've. Uh, What puzzles me is in terms of civic engagement, they could come this Saturday on the 3rd, and for free they would find people from all over the city. They could come on the 10th to City Hall when we have the Neighborhood Council uh, Congress at City Hall, and NCNA will be presenting twice on that particular day at City Hall. They could show up with a bicycle master plan and find people from all over the city for free. It wouldn't cost them anything to host the venue, to, to, to present, and yet they're not. What they're not doing is engaging. It's it's a It's a minimal participation process. Last year, there were 140 people that participated. 140. In other words, the cycling community, as you know, hundreds of them would show up for the opportunity to ride around in circles and a roundabout. Right. And yet we can't get that engagement, that robust interaction, where we actually ask people uh, with an enthusiastic connection, what do you want? And so that's where I'd have to say this is a charade at best. It's a hollow document at best. It's pretty. It's incredibly pretty. Well, we need to we need to turn one of these into a party, one of these engagements, or all of them into all a party. Them. Bike stock. Uh, bring you guys have a uh, you guys have extra cycles. What do you guys think about carrying over a keg of beer, and uh, and then we could get people to show up. Yeah. Um, you you must vote or you must make your voice heard in order to get your your Speaker cup of beer. No cup. <laughs> Speaker cards or no cup. Exactly. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> drunken cyclists might not be the. <laughs> optimum way to approach this, but I think cyclists respond to food pretty well as yeah, well. So yeah. having a food food there would be good. But yeah, I think it's a good. It would be a good thing for us to consider is is organizing some type of ride and getting people involved. There is a, actually um, some meetings planned um, by the Bike Riders Collective because it it is um, 
nothing in the east side, nothing is in the district where the bicycle community was born. Um, Silver Lake, East Hollywood, Eagle Rock, any of East Los Angeles is not included in this, um, in the meetings, in this public meeting. So it is um, quite upsetting, not just to the cycling community, because this is not just a document that will affect the cyclists. This, this will affect um, people who walk, who take public transportation. This will affect the communities of the older growing population who will lose their license. Um, women outgrow their driving years by 10 years and men outgrow it by 7 years. So it affects the whole community. How do we get about? Not just those who are 17 and 16 and who um, have their power, uh, physical power to ride their bikes. This is a, a serious document that um, all over the world cities are embracing and they're closing down streets to make it um, community, make their streets, neighborhoods, businesses, community friendly and um, robust safe neighborhoods, whereas in Los Angeles, where um, th this, this document is just ridiculous, it's like a third world document, how do we lay down asphalt on dirt? It's bizarre. Uh, so, uh, good point, let me reiterate. The, the city's planning four sessions, they'll be two hours long, and as we learned last year, this is not the appropriate place for a discussion. It's an appropriate place to have a presentation, and we call it, uh, Why You Can't Have What You Want presented by the Department of No. And it starts off with, the city's <laughs> built out, there's nothing we can do, and um, you know it, it positions us as in an adversarial relationship rather than an integrated and evolved relationship. And if you go to any great city in the world, you'll find cities that are larger and older and much more built out. In Budapest, with medieval buildings on cobblestone streets, Tens of thousands of people take to the streets every year on bicycles, um, and yet here we are told that you know this is you know what Beverly and uh, and Vermont is just an inappropriate street. Perhaps you guys would be better off up on. We find that kind of lack of integration. So the Bike Riders Collective will actually be hosting a community event where we can actually get down to the brass tacks of engaging people. And I realize that. Not, life doesn't need to always be political, but at some point in time, it's really important to step up and say, at this moment in time, here's what I want, and I'm going to participate in bringing it uh, to life and making it happen here in L.A. And then we can go back to having fun rides and discovery rides and culture rides and social rides and just utilitarian getting around town rides. But this is the moment for us to really speak up and say that we have to position ourselves. It has to be based on equality, first and foremost. Um, that, that we're equals on the streets and we have a right to be here. And from there, the plan needs to flow and have teeth. Stephen Box and Third Eye Creative, I think is what it is, right? You, now, you, how do, you are a kaleidoscope of political activity in many different ways. Uh, you've worked with the neighborhood councils. You've worked with the cyclists. Um, you, what, how can we follow what it is that you have going on? Is there a way for us? Well, soapboxla.blogspot.com, that's where I try to um, drop articles on uh, what's happening uh, in my world. But the, 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 the thing is that um, there are many opportunities for the expression of one of the most basic human rights, and that's mobility. And if you think about it, the moment you're born, you're born with the freedom to move, and that freedom grows as you mature. And our ability to move in our community is what defines us as a community. And so the expression of that freedom, that basic civil right of, of, of freedom to move, is what has been driving me of late 
And so the, as a cyclist, the freedom to ride the streets of L.A., as a pedestrian, as a simple member of the community, it's access and mobility. So do we have access to the process? Are we free to move in the process? Are we free to go to City Hall and speak up? And are we free to, ha- uh, to participate in how our cities run? This is all access and mobility, and it starts to get really specific. So to answer your question in a long-winded and obtuse manner, <laughs> Come to soapboxla.blogspot.com, and you'll see some of the different articulations of that particular drive to uh, fight for our right to move. And so do you actually underline the tenets of those freedoms at Soapbox LA, or is that, uh, is that, is that someplace where you... Well, that's an ongoing, if you will, conversation. For example, there's a heavy conversation right now at the Metro. Why don't they have a bicycle advisory committee? Why aren't cyclists? Because we share that lane with the bus operators, There is no greater partner on the streets than the bus operators. We're all in the curb lane for most of our journey anywhere across town. So why don't we have an intimate relationship with the people that we must navigate and share the road with? Now, Stephen, I I believe that you do have a fairly intimate relationship with some of those bus drivers. Is that correct? (laughs) And the police. (laughs) Again, there's some potential partners. Why don't we have an intimate relationship with the police department other than the one where we face the wall, put our hands behind the back, and then get told we don't belong in the streets. It's simply unsafe for us to be out after dark. So we've got to rise above these relationships. Um, And so you'll see some of the uh, metro uh, and some of the police engagements on soapboxla.blogspot.com. You can also, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook and you'll see a lot of the same uh, conversations on Facebook, uh, facebook facebook.com forward slash. Speaking of that, NC, I I wanted to ask you a little bit about... um, Rebel without a car productions is that what? What? Yes. Um, now, you. I know that you have talked to me about how much you use the internet in order to communicate with folks, and how viable a solution has that been for connecting a community together? Huge. I. 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 I think the internet is such a wonderful tool to be able to com- connect with people. Of course, you cannot forget the face to face. That's the most important to be able to but we're finding people um, online who are in the same interest group or who would like to learn more and are not in the interest group so for example with Rebel Without a Car Productions probably 60% of the people who were involved in the film shoot were not in the cycling community so we were not preaching to the choir but we inspired them to get a bike get on the metro um, and even if they never get on a bike and never get on the metro they will pay respect to cyclists who they will pass next time because they know now the safety risks or um, not the safety risks but they they know how vulnerable we are on the street and that we need to pay attention and respect everybody now getting those folks involved in the in this production at what price did, now did they did they find out about this through the internet was this Yes, um, the Greensters we found through the Internet, through YouTube connection. Um, Stephen sent out the message about looking for Greensters who will help us with the bike transportation of all our equipment, and it was all done through YouTube, um, Midnight Riders, um, Streets Blog. Um, it was all viral marketing, and basically that's what I'm trying to do with this film, as well as not just the film, but in, in sustainable film production to get the word out virally because I can only meet so many people face-to-face on the street, on my bike. Some of them are throwing stuff at me on my bike. So <laughs> that's not very friendly encounter. But maybe if they encounter me online and they don't know yet that I'm a cyclist, <laughs> and then they become my friends, and then they find out that I'm a cyclist, and they will like me. <laughs> you sneak up on them. That's right. <laughs> Good old rope a dope <laughs> Yes. So, um, well, 
Uh, I'd like to. We we only, we have a, about five minutes left here. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, I want to ask if anybody has anyone they'd like to thank. If there's anybody that. It's been a big inspiration to them, or if there's anything that we should keep an eye out for in the future. Well, I would personally like to thank um, the LA Greensters that supported my film to make it 100% sustainable, because without them it would have not happened. And they came in a week before we were going to start shooting, and we were sweating that this production is not going to be as green as it was uh, a dream to be. So the Greensters, um, that they jumped on board with us and everybody else who helped us out, um, with the, who were part of Rebel Without a Car Productions, I would like to thank. They were just awesome. Bravo, guys. Steven. I'd like to thank the Department of Do It for Yourself, Do It Yourself, <laughs> for inspiring us. You know, when we were on uh, Loading Zone riding across town at Wilshire and Vermont, we came across a huge empty lot two blocks wide. Uh, it's one of the busiest intersections in town, Wilshire and Vermont. Right. And right there on the wall is a huge sign announcing the upcoming. Alprentice Bunchy Carter Community Park, as presented by the Department of Do-It-Yourself. And this is the same people, a uh, group of people who, well, you know, the city's, ha- the city's having tough times. You know that, yeah, right? We hear about it all the time. Yeah. This is the era where we're going to have to take respons- responsibility for the quality of life in our communities ourselves. And the Department of Do-It-Yourself is taking a leadership position in, 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 in communicating to us, if you really want to make it happen, make it happen. They're not going to come and change the world for you. It's up to us to take care of our communities. And so the Department of Do-It-Yourself claimed that intersection as the future home of a community garden. And that inspires us. You know what? If we want to do things, we're going to have to do it ourselves. Create some community and make it happen. Ron Durgan. All right. I give a shout-out to somebody that hasn't been mentioned yet, and that was uh, Alfredo Hernandez and the the L.A. uh, (laughs) Urban uh, Garden Gorillas. And they actually provided, um, they made some seed bombs for us. So we were doing some pocket parking as we were riding across town. And seed bombs are basically just clay and compost and, uh, you know, California native flowers wrapped in a little package. And you can launch them into, uh, you know, an open space. And then when it rains, they'll, they'll flower for us and make the city more beautiful. So we had a couple hundred of those seed bombs that we uh, launched as we made our ride around. So... Big shout out to them for, for putting that stuff together and giving us a, a little fun on the way. A yeah, big shout out to the Park Czar. Um, I like to shout out to the cupcakes, the vegan cupcake people. Those are so good. We were giving away on uh, Loading Zone. And I uh, also like to thank uh, Feather. Remember Feather? Uh, he was helping yeah. us out on the, on the ride, scouting it. And uh, Laura Flanagan. Um, L.A. Gardening Gorillas, which you've mentioned. Um, t- Orange 20, we need to buy tires and tubes and stuff for them. Um, Tina Lawson, uh, providing the cupcakes with the cupcake bike. Um, there's just so many people. <laughs> Cliff Bar came by. That's crazy. So you'd like to thank them, yeah, through Twitter. Um, gosh, and everybody, like all our friends on Twitter that just... Uh, echo that message across the web i could thank all them jeremy grant thanks we're now going to aubrey provost uh, i, I want to thank the greensters stephen box and his family for uh making all the crenshaw crush happen uh we have a couple of shout outs i'd like to do to some people in the crenshaw crunch the zambezi which is a gift shop in lamert village has a bicycle display in her window. 
and she would like people to view that. Um, uh, the bookstore, uh, SOAN Bookstore, has an array of very uh, interesting books about black history uh, and things. Just a good bookstore. Uh, Fresh and Easy uh, is a writer that will be writing with us, and he is in charge of the, the 124 Fresh and Easy Markets opening in California, New Mexico, and Arizona. And he asked me what I wanted, so he gave up 200 bottles of water. Um, Fantastic. And there's a bunch of other people that were very helpful in putting this together. But it should be a fun morning. And Father Martini, particularly, who, uh, in his own right, is a cyclist and would have liked to have joined us through the uh, Lamert section that we're going to do the homes, but he has a prior commitment. So a shout out to Father Martini and his blessing. Oh, okay, all right. I'd like to go ahead and, and thank all of our guests today. Uh, Aubrey Provost, JeremyGrant.com, Ron Durgan. We have uh, Stephen Box and NC. Uh, want a really quick recap on some of the places that you can find these folks at. LAGreenster.com, JeremyGrant.com, obviously. We've got... Uh, BikeMoreLA.blogspot.com. We've also got SoapboxLA.blogspot.com. We've got RebelWithoutACarProductions.com. And um, I'd like to once again invite everybody to Barnstall Park this Wednesday, 7 p.m., for the... uh, for the showing of At What Price and the 10-minute teaser on the documentary that was filmed during the filming of At What Price. So like a, a double filming, a movie within a movie. And then also I want to invite everybody once again out to the Crenshaw Crush. You can meet up in Hollywood at Hollywood and Western at 7 a.m. And you can meet at Lamert Park at uh, 8 a.m. and 9 o'clock a.m. ride start. So And that's at uh, Crenshaw and Vernon. And uh, next week... We have the Alt Car Expo out in uh, out in Santa Monica, um, and we'll be broadcasting live from our uh, a booth out there with the Greensters booth out there. Also next week, uh, LACC. There's going to be at 10:30 in the morning. Come on by, uh, put in your two cents with the neighborhood council meeting and the cyclist bill of rights that's going to be going on. Um, we've got. I'm sure there's a whole lot more going on. To find out what's happening, check out MidnightRiders.com, R-I-D-A-Z-Z.com. You can always catch up with us here. You can check us out at BikeTalk.us. You can always hear us at KPFK.org, and you can subscribe to our podcast there. And we're live every Saturday from 10 a.m. till noon at KillRadio.org. And I'd like to thank everybody for their help. Nick Richard, the producer, Stephen Bowers, for his excellent support. Our ever-present engineer, Eric McCann. And I'm Jim C. signing off for this episode of Bike Talk. Have a great week and keep the rubber side down.